The Batchy crew have done it. Utter domination of the Bedroom Alliance is now complete. Plus, just how good at this game is Connor? My guy Troy is super sad to have lost his mate Marley. Kieran's got some apologizing to do. Brittany hasn't done a puzzle since she was 10. Empty bars are creepy. And members of the Batchy crew visit the challenge version of a honeymoon suite, a.k.a. the bunk bed hookup. It's the Challenge Australia episode 7 and 8 recaps coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future, if it's happening in the challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hollibald. Thank you so very, very much for being here with me this evening on this day, where we break down another two episodes of the wonderful, the great, the how did this get canceled? How did no one watch it? How did it not be made more available over here in the States? We would have ate, ate this stuff up. Challenge Australia, episode seven and eight, the penultimate pair of episodes, if you will, as we then after this just have the finale, which I guess is two episodes, but really it's just one two-hour episode, however they want to label it. This is the penultimate podcast episode of this season because we're covering seven and eight. We've got the finale nine and ten to go later this week, which are actually airing in real time, aired a few hours ago in Australia or went live in Australia because they're not airing live anymore in Australia. They're just being dumped to a streamer over there, but they were dumped this morning. So those links should be up on the internet somewhere for us soon to hopefully watch and cover later this week. On that note, other programming notes, Rider Dies will be this Wednesday night. Next two Wednesdays, I assume it doesn't because of where the days of the holidays fall. They're just going to keep right on rolling with those. I don't think there'll be any week breaks. So Rider Dies on Wednesday night. That season getting into the back half. Survivor finale this Saturday over on the Most Likely 2 podcast feed. That will be the last Survivor Saturday for a little while with my good friend Paige. And then, of course, the Challenge Australia. Assuming we get the links to the final two episodes, that finale will be discussed this Friday on the podcast. So it's finale season or starting to be, at least for the shows that only only go an appropriate length and now in episodes unlike Rider Dies, which is, I guess, going to be like freaking 18 plus episodes. Who knows? But we're going to cover it all. And tonight we're covering it all. Australia 7 and 8. We're skipping the Cliff Notes recap again, headed straight to the storylines. Two episodes in one coming up. Let's go. First thing to talk about is the biggest storyline from this two episodes, which has turned out to really be the story of the season. And that is that the Batchy crew finished the job. Absolute, utter domination, one alliance over the other. When, when going in, admittedly, myself, and I bet those of you watching along thought this was going to go the complete other way based off of the first couple daily challenges, how people were finishing, what we were starting to think of competitor-wise of a bunch of the different players on either side of this bedroom versus Batchy alliance, and then no flipped it. We couldn't have been more wrong. I couldn't have been more wrong. I don't want to speak for you, but I, I think the sentiment in the house, literally in the house of the challenge house, and I think probably without being able to take the pulse of the fan community the way we could with the shows here in America where we're all watching them together, 
it seems like everyone would have been probably more more people than would be on the bedroom side, just given their early results, given they had Olympians and boxers and whatnot. Everyone that would look like they were winning everything, not named Troy, who wasn't on kind of either side of things. But no, the Batchy crew dismantles the bedroom alliance one by one by one by one by twice, one, one of them twice over by one by one. Six eliminations in a row. They get the other alliance out. Six eliminations in a row. They find themselves in the power position, able to throw in the other team, often versus each other, and then even when it ends up a one-on-one matchup in the eliminations, one alliance versus the other, the same one kept coming out on top. We had David and Jessica go. We had Cyrell and Johnny go, which Jessica and Johnny, part of that bedroom alliance. Then Ryan and Sugar, twice in a row, have to get eliminated for no explained reason, which we just moved right on past. And then Emily and Marley and Grant and Megan in this episode with Megan becoming the first person to at least be collateral damage from the Batchy Alliance when it got down to the point where there was almost no chance they could have any sort of non-mixed alliance team. So only one person in the sixth and final week as true collateral damage from their alliance taking out the entire other, you know, six-person alliance, really. I mean, we had Grant, Emily, Ryan, Sugar, Johnny, and Jessica that were solid, plus Cyrell. So make it seven. Those seven very much solid throw in David and Marley who were not in that alliance, but were kind of floaters in the middle. And it's just an absolutely incredible run. Obviously I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. We're talking about the two people who were eliminated or two of the four people who were eliminated this, these two episodes, this, these storylines are going to be kind of all over the place, not exactly in any sort of set order, but you know, they were aided certainly by Grant coming in last three out of four times in a row. Tough look for my guy Grant there. That really is the deciding factor in this because with the format of the game, yes, the Batchy crew, and we're about to talk about the actual leader, the non-Bachelor member leader of the Batchy crew, Connor, do a great job of getting power, of sending in the right people, making the simple, easy decision, but they were also aided in a big way. The only way this could be such a clean sweep is because people like Grant keep getting last from the other side and allowing them to do double matchups and not, you know, avoid the possibility of a, do we want to send someone that's in our side up against person X, like an Emily, like a Ryan or Sugar both times, like maybe even a Grant and a Megan here, but they don't even have to come to that choice because Grant kept losing. But we mentioned his name before. He's the only one that really deserves to be talked about in all of this because while the Batchy Alliance of Brittany, Megan, Kiki, Conrad, and Kieran, yes, super strong the whole time, very impressive. We'll talk about them as a collective in a moment. Their alliance did expand uh, in early parts of this game, and the main pickup they made, the smartest pickup in the house, was Connor because Connor, well, he's not Bachelor. Top Chef, I believe, was his show. I hope I'm not getting that wrong. Regardless if I am, he's batchy now. He's batchy crew for life because he is the leader of the group, which is hilarious that, yes, this crew dominated in such fashion, but they did it by bringing in one person who wasn't really meant to be a part of their alliance and then that person really being the catalyst of all of this because two daily challenge wins where he fully aligns with them, does everything they would want to as a group, two elimination wins in moments where he and a batchy partner could have been removed from the game and instead got some upset victories over members of the other alliance and i really have to reassess i i don't 
I don't think Connor can win because I think Troy's just gonna win of whoever everyone's left at the end of this. We'll talk predictions at the very end of the podcast. I just think uh, Connor definitely puzzle wise is first pick of the four that are left for puzzles in the final, but the endurance factor, I think, I think Troy's, you know, kind of head and shoulders above the other three, but if Connor caps us off with a win, this is going to be one of the more impressive seasons in a long, long while. Cause he has run the game at this point, run the storylines for more or less. He's been a part of all different variations of the storylines through the season. It's an absolutely incredible run by him. So hats off to Connor. As for Brittany, Megan, Kiki, Conrad, Kieran, they never have to sweat. They never have to make a hard decision against one another. They don't take a couple of the small chances that were there where the group maybe could have broke up. I continually predicted episode after episode that this group was going to, you know, someone was going to take a shot at someone else. It was going to blow up, implode. And while there was a couple small chances for that, no one took it. Easy decision every time, stuck together every time, had their fun, isolated the rest of the house, which is the other brilliant thing that they do here. One of probably the most brilliant thing of anything they do is not just that they stick together, but that they stick together in such a way in the house they purposely isolate all the other players, make them feel like we're having fun, you're miserable, and that's going to affect you. And it clearly does, because to say that it doesn't affect Emily in any way over the last couple episodes, that couldn't be further from the truth clearly affects her by the end of the eighth episode grant has no problem going home he's completely over it he's having a miserable time and has for weeks and ryan was a little bit of a similar way uh jessica before that was kind of a similar way they really just ostracize these other people and that's a very smart thing to do in a challenge house ruin their mental game ruin their desire to be there they become a much easier opponent to beat which is what they do my final question though about this group it's super duper impressive extremely impressive what they do is it more impressive because they're playing for the first time or is it less impressive because they're playing for the first time because the playing for the first time part brings in that like it was a natural alliance they knew each other from their show or shows different seasons of the show and they were all just like hey you know we've got the biggest group here of people who were on the same show previously we actually do know each other a little bit like each other a little bit some of us dated each other for a little bit there and we get along and so that makes for an obvious we should stick together so does that make it a little less impressive because it was just like this obvious alliance that fell into place or is it more impressive that they're all doing this for the first time and that they can build such a coalition that they can add such a player like a Connor that then carries their asses and makes their lives very easy. I don't know where I fall on that one. So uh, I'm, it's, it feels like a little bit of both, regardless of how you split it. Super impressive run for the Batchy crew. They have officially eliminated every single member of the other alliance that seemed to be stacked with competitors. Seemed like there was no chance in hell. If you would have told me on episode three, this is what was about to happen, I would have given you 0% odds. I would have taken any bet you wanted to make. Couldn't believe it. So hats off to the Batchy crew. Hats off to the non-Batchy crew member, Batchy crew member, Connor, for leading this. And uh, yeah, tough look for the Bedroom Alliance going to be all over the place here with these storylines so let's take this next segment here and just talk about the daily challenges we get two of them across the two episodes and very big surprise and thought this definitely was maybe going to happen very excited that it did two new challenges that we haven't seen on usa or ride or dies 
that does not mean that we're not about to see either of these or both of these on Ride or Dies. I kind of fully expect to, but it's only right that this season gets to be the one where we see something first since everything else has been a repeat and, you know, the eliminations we're about to talk about were a repeat. So only fair that we get a couple of them that are new to us in this version the first time we're seeing them. And they're both great. Let's talk about them each. Runaway Ride from Episode 7. This one really really good like really really good again look the show is determined to be an action movie during the daily challenges half of the time it is determined to waste all of their budget money and balloon this budget for a show that's leaking viewers faster and faster every episode and season it's determined to just use all this money on all these toys and all these pyrotechnics and fire and vehicles and whatever which fine if you're gonna do it at least when it's good and fun and cool, it works out, no problems here, which is what happens here with Runaway Ride. They got all these toys, they got cars, they got buses, they got explosions, they got a race course, whatever. All amazing because it actually turns into a fun and interesting daily challenge. So I like this a lot. Are those props completely unnecessary? Yes, but I like it. Shout out to the driver of the bus because doing this course over and over and, you know, the driver of those cars always doing the same little maneuver, which, you know, got, it was kind of cool to watch the first time, maybe even the second, but by like the seventh time you see the car move and swerve at the same spot, you're like, okay, we get it. It would be more fun if you actually like ran into the car one time. I don't know how you do that safely, but that would have been fun. Um, which I believe we've seen that in the trailer for ride or dies maybe. So maybe we will be seeing a version of this, but a crash test version of this on ride or dies soon. But Props to that driver. He did seem to make it fair and equal. You know, the course was set up. He followed the course very same for everyone. You know how I don't like when different people kind of get different runs of the same game. It felt like he did a really good job. So shout out to him. But we got memory. We got composure. We got silly physical things that need done. We have super dangerous. It's all a great combo, which speaking of super dangerous, no one gets hurt. That's a miracle. Because they are getting tossed around. It does not seem like it is the most padded inside of the bus or anything. Like, it seems it seems pretty vicious. Like, some of the teams get a little better than others. That like, let's stay kind of half on a knee. You know, let's, let's anticipate when we get thrown to the left that, like, next up we're going to get thrown to the right and, like, kind of brace or, like, maybe just move over there from the start. Other teams, like a Kiki, like an Emily, uh, like, I mean, half the teams or more at least just kind of fall prey to like, we're just going to run as fast as we can. And we're just going to accept that we're going to constantly get thrown against another wall. And it looks like it hurts. The fact that only, you know, one person, Emily comes out puking. One person, Kiki comes out still in a lot of pain, but she went in in a lot of pain, but actually seemed almost better, more spry after this. Maybe somehow she get knocked something back in place. We get Brittany who I guess has a leg injury. We'll talk more about that later, but not from this. So no one gets hurt. That's that's a miracle. Hopefully it remains that way if we do see this again on another season here shortly. Would have loved to know the actual results of each team. That's very frustrating. It's the only frustrating element of this whole daily challenge is I want to know how people do. I want to know, like, did they get six right? Or did they get 10 right? How fast was it? Like, as always, I, I kind of want, if you're going to make such a big chunk of the episode, I've said it so many times, but if you're going to make a big chunk of the episode and you're going to make this all about the sport and the competition, then like, show me the clean runs or give me a website or an Instagram account or something, a YouTube shorts. I don't know where I can go watch the full runs of everyone and see the actual results every, all the way through full timer, full, who, how many did they get right? How fast was each one? All of it. 
if if it's going to be that into the sport and the competition, then like go all in. No more half measures. Anyways, I really wanted Marley and Emily to pull it out. We'll talk about them losing when we get to the eliminations. As for the other daily challenge, Frozen Census, Senseless, Senseless, that's the word I'm looking for. It's also new and it's also really, really great. This is legitimately interesting. This is legitimately well thought out of a creative building out of a challenge. It feels very survivor-y, which I say as a positive thing. I think that is a very good thing. The more that it, the challenge could maybe mirror a little bit in some small ways, the you know survivor, typical survivor games, I think that could work out in its favor. So go ahead and do it. This one feels very much kind of like that. Uh, shout out to the teams that figure out the cuddle position works way better in the ice bath, super beneficial sit, same orientation, be able to look and, you know, talk about what you're looking at, not flipping it around backwards or getting yourself confused. That was a very smart move. I really, I just got to say not to keep bringing up ride or dies, but I really hope they do this challenge on ride or dies just for like, Nelson having to like relay what shapes he's feeling with his hands. Uh, I will only, we'll only single out one person, but like there's others that could be singled out. I feel like we didn't get as much comedy from this group as we could possibly from who's left in the ride or die crew of trying to explain, well, it felt like this or it's this shape or drawing with their fingers in the air. That was kind of one of the most fun parts of this is the different times. I think Brooke, one of the brooks maybe both of the brooks do a bunch of like it looks kind of like this in the air and it's like yeah that doesn't help can you describe can you just go with like star arrow mushroom cloud whatever like give me something so i kind of hope we get to see this again for that extra comedy troy and brook b they win and they win by like a lot it's very impressive they establish themselves as the favorites they might have kind of slowly have done this already over the last week or two they had both moved up my personal power rankings but their second win as a team, Troy's fourth win in eight daily challenges, which really snuck up on me when he wins this. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, I knew they had won together, but like, damn, he's he's won four out of eight. Like he's won half. That is, that's entering some like pretty high ground of success rate in daily challenges for partners or individual seasons. So we're going to have to run the stats later on at the end of the season. We'll see how he does in the final daily challenge, which I believe there's one more and maybe he can get up above that 50% line, but that 50% line is a real kind of catalyst for if you're above that in a partner or individual season, you have done some real, real impressive stuff. And it's you know one trick pony. You're good at everything and you're dominating. And Troy certainly isn't. Brooke J has definitely established herself as that as well. We'll see where they both end up in the power rankings and predictions heading into the final. Now let's talk just a big conglomerate of, you know, strategy, house time, bar time, chicanery activities, non-game competition, or I guess the strategy is competition. I don't know. Just a catch-all group right here before we dive into a leader on the eliminations and then get to the awards and whatnot. So just to catch off for everything else that happens in these couple episodes, that's worth kind of talking about little mini storylines unto themselves. First one, there isn't strategy needed. There isn't strategy to be talked about, which is why this isn't just big strategy corner segment here, but just instead catch all segment because the Batchy crew just runs it, makes easy, obvious picks. The only single strategy thing that comes to play in these two episodes is not really even strategy, is just a decision. Troy and Brooke J., they have to decide between two teams. There's three teams to pick to throw into elimination. They rule one out because they're friends or whatever. 
And therefore, they have to pick between two teams that they have exactly even ties with and that are pretty similar com- competition-wise. They can't pull the trigger. Those two teams end up literally not caring by the end of the decision-making process that Troy and Brooke go through. They try to do one, two, three, say a name. That doesn't go well. They, you know, they spend two hours, it seems, all night, it seems, talking to every single individual. And by the end of it, they have flipped sides and they each want to vote for the other opposite team now, thinking they've come to each other's side and instead both flipping at the same time. It is it is hilarious, except if you're the two teams waiting to go in, because again, they end up so fed up with this that they're just like, okay, like you don't have to tell us or like you don't have to decide until we get there. We don't care. Can you just stop talking? Can you just leave us alone? So that is the only strategy, and that's not really strategy. That's just those two having a tough time with a semi-tough decision, I guess. It's really not that tough of a decision almost at all. It doesn't impact what's going to happen afterwards almost in any way. So it just kind of impacts who, you know, eventually who does better in the elimination. But that's the only strategy to talk about. So let's move to the bar. They go to the bar in both episodes. In both times, it is absolutely depressing. Bring back public bars. Let these people go back out into the wild, into the, the great unknown of real life, real people in a real bar with real activity. Because this bar is so big and spacious and empty with only 12 and then 10 of them in it. It is so boring and there is nothing good that's going to come of this. There is no positive, fun, entertaining, you know, things that can happen in this setting that aren't going to just happen if you just give them the same alcohol in the house or whatever, like, you know, and I get you want to let them leave. I, of course, want them to be able to leave the house. So this is better, I guess, than nothing, but it's... It's, they just need to bring back the public bars. I know it's more difficult. The, the NDAs, you know, it's fun that they don't have to go through all that stuff. And obviously this started and continues for COVID protocols, which, you know, like, I don't know. At this point, can we just scrap those? Can we just can we just let them be back out in the public? Because it's really, you know, we're on whatever, season six worth of challenges affected by this and hurt dramatically by it. And it seems about time to change it all up, but I don't think they're ever going to. I don't think they're ever going to have them interact with the public ever again, regardless of what pandemics may occur or anything of that nature. Um, I think they've, you know, it's just easier on production and they're going to go with this. And that really stinks because the dancing scenes are all super duper fake. It's very clear every single time. It's not just the challenger story. It's not just these 10, 12 people. This is about all versions of the show at this point. You know, they're like, they get there, they turn on some music, they tell everyone, you have to dance for three minutes, we'll film it, and then boom, you can talk strategy and complain about going into elimination, because that's all that these things are good for. It all ends up just being the fake dancing for like 30 second montage, and then who's talking about being mad or sad, they're going into elimination. That's almost it. We've very rarely gotten anything better than that. So either stop doing it, just let them stay at the house, or at least go on like the boats. The boats are a little more fun sometimes and it makes a little more sense that they're isolated or just let them go out in public again. Let them, give them public bars, let them spend their own money on drinks and then show me the bus rides back to the house. There was so much good content came from public bars, bus rides back. I want that again. Let's move on. Kieran's apology. Kieran, we knew this would, we assumed this would come back around at some point in you know first episode, second episode, whatever it was, one of the first two He and Audrey have a little fun briefly, albeit briefly, but it still occurred in the shower together. We find out immediately they both have significant others. 
Audrey then goes home very quickly before we can have any follow-up on that. But Kieran has been around the whole time. We haven't had any follow-up on it. He's, I think he's mentioned it a time or two that he's, you know, real sorry about it, really worried about it. But now we get the confrontation. His girlfriend calls him. His girlfriend has been informed via Burner Twitter account, which 2022, everyone, uh, Burner account has hit her up and said, you know, your guy is doing some stuff, flirting, hooking up, whatever. And he's got to come clean, which he does, or at least, I mean, he does. He says he's sorry. We, I don't know if there's more to the conversation, if he says explicitly what happens or not, or if what she says explicitly was told to her is, you know, confirmed, like, yes, that's exactly correct, or no, this was, I don't know. We don't see the whole conversation, but she knows he cheated. He knows she knows. He apologizes for it. And got to say, you know, it's a horrible look regardless, because you don't want to cheat on your, you don't want to cheat on your significant other ever, especially not on national television, um, canceled national television. So that's, you know, he's one person who maybe is okay with the ratings dropping. I don't know, but he actually legit seems remorseful and sad. Like it's, it's always hard to tell through the camera lens in a challenge house. What's, you know, what's real emotions, what's for the cameras, what's, you know, because you're bottled up in this house, you know, it's just, it's just hard to tell. It's a, it, we're going off very little info to judge a very serious scenario, but the little info we get, certainly compared to a lot of other instances of similar situations in Challenge Houses, he seems legit remorseful and sad and like he's willing to do the necessary work and say the necessary things and go through all of the appropriate actions and again, work and whatnot and, you know, atone for this mistake. I'm super glad for for his sake, for her sake, for the show's sake, for entertainment's sake, for us, that she, you know... It encourages him to stay and to try to win and, you know, at least gives the, you know, we can make this work when we get back. We've got some shit to like, this isn't okay. It's not just like an immediate, I forgive you. And like, we can move on, but like, at least like, uh, don't let this ruin your game there. You're still there. It'd be nice if you won brought back. That would, that would be better than nothing else. So I appreciate both sides of how this conversation goes. And I've got to ask, though, from a production side, and yet another production question. I've always got questions for productions. Do they have different rules for how often you get to call someone if you've cheated on a significant other? Because that's then, you know, a nice storyline for them to play in. Because it seems like he gets, like, two calls in two days here. Pretty nice. I don't think everyone's getting that. I don't know. The phone rules seem to be up in the air. We don't have any good confirmation of them on recent seasons. I mean, we just saw Tori had an actual iPhone during Banana's birthday party on Ride or Dies a couple episodes ago. So like there seems to be uh, different stuff going on. But I, I always wonder if you're like, hey, I got to call my girlfriend and tell her I cheated on her. And then like, I got to call her again to check in on that. Like, do you get extra calls? And uh, because they're like, oh yeah, well, we're filming you obviously, right? Like, yeah, of course you are. Yeah, you can actually have as long as you want. You can have as many calls as you want. Is that how that happens? Regardless, uh, we get this. He gets through the apology. Seems remorseful and sad. It's a bad look, regardless. But it's it's the best version of the bad look because it seems like he actually, you know, uh, wants to make it right in whatever way that is possible. So, Kieran gets through, and also both episodes, I'm like, oh, Kieran's going home. We finally get the follow up on this. This is just a nice little kick in the balls for him that, you know, they're going to do this. They're going to give us this follow-up right as then he's going to get eliminated. But no, instead, it's kind of his come-up moment. It's kind of him rising to the top of the ranks. And now we'll see where he ends up in the power rankings here in a moment. But uh, he's looking pretty strong competitor going into this final. The final thing to talk about is the other hookup, the one that happens in these episodes, which is Conrad and Megan. 
It's only a matter of time till some batchies get out after it, which not counting Kieran, who did right away. Whoops. <laughs> but two actual bachelors getting together. Of course, it was going to happen. Of course, it was not quite going to be the honeymoon suite, but a bottom bunk. And of course, the other batchy crew, perfect, flawless execution of great television. Kiki and Brittany walking in, wanting to know if they're all done so that they can come sleep. That is some classic challenge bunk room housing coming alive. I love it, love it, love it. And uh, I just, yeah, I knew there was something about Conrad that there was going to be, he was going to have a moment or two. And, you know, he has the almost fight a couple episodes. He gets the hookup here. And, uh, Love that both of them fully see this exactly the same way. They both have different comments on, no, 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 no. We're just friends that uh, maybe had sex a time or two and maybe would again a time or two, but like, we're friends. Don't don't think anything more than that. So always good when everyone can be on the same page in a challenge house. But that's, you know, all the random things that happen. That's the house. That's the lack of strategy in these two episodes. Let's move to the final thing to talk about. That would be the eliminations and the two teams sent home. Two eliminations across these two episodes, obviously, both of which we have seen before, but that's okay. They're both solid. They're not my favorite, but uh, I like one a lot more than the other one. Well, let's just talk about them in order. That way we can actually give our opinions on both instead of together. Your Move, I Move is in episode seven. We have seen this before. I really liked it when we saw it on episode one of Ride or Dies, Devin and Tori beating Kayla and Sam. I again liked it here, but it was sad that uh, it wasn't much of a match. Um, and it was kind of sad the team that lost as much as I liked both teams and both players in it. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Emily and Marley seem to work really well together the whole time, but I guess they're just moving super freaking slow because everything we see from them is that like they're communicating really well. They're not like no, neither of them's messing the other one up. They're not like you know one person says move left and they move the opposite way, whatever. Like they seem to be working really really well together, but just going extremely slow. Plus. They have the poor strategy of one ball out at the start and move it around, which leaves the other four kind of stuck as you're moving the other one around versus Connor and Kiki who do the very smart thing. They get all five balls out so that as they move, they're all moving through the same track. They kind of are able to move all five balls, at least for the first half, they have all five balls like completely together. And then they hone in a little more and like, let's just move one at a time. And the rest of them will move a little bit further along as we do it. They go out to a huge lead. They win. It's very, very impressive. Um, it's an awesome victory, again, for Connor and for Kiki, who Kiki has really shown out now with these couple of elimination wins and, you know, a daily win in there. Does she have any shot at winning the final? No, I do not think so. I think, I think almost none. But that doesn't always, that matters for some people, and it matters for some people when, you know, they're there for, you know, 15 seasons in a row where they don't really seem to have a shot at winning the final, um, but it doesn't matter when it's one person. In fact, it's just, she's been so super impressive, because winning multiple eliminations is no joke. She is definitely, you know, well exceeded my expectations. She seems to have, you know, she said as much, exceeded her own expectations, a lot of the other people in the house, and she's absolutely been kicking butt, and it's awesome to see and again, I don't think she can win the final uh, because I don't see the endurance side um, from the couple endurance challenges that we've seen from this group and what she's done in them. But you never know. 
Uh, you never know because there's no obvious like dominant like that person's obviously going to win on the female side. So could happen. But regardless, shout out to Kiki for absolutely showing out and uh, winning multiple eliminations in times where definitely the underdog going in, though. Her and Connor really shouldn't have been the underdog thing may have just been me not being fair and mislabeling this being like, yeah, just because it's an Olympian and I think Marley's a pretty good competitor. Like it's a puzzle in communication. That's all it is. So uh, I don't know why Connor wouldn't be the favorite in this house at that now. So that's on me. Emily and Marley leave. I wanted the reason I was feeling that way and wanting that way to go that way is because I wanted Emily to win the whole thing for the sake of they're making this thing such, you know, they've leaned so heavily into the sport of it all into the competition of it all and if that was going to be the case then and especially i feel like they're going to do that even more for the actual like global tournament then i wanted the olympian to win i wanted the sick athlete incredible athlete to pull it out and to be able to win the whole show to at least like justify or back up this you know sportification narrative if they're going to do that but then you know it's going to be the kikis of the world that are winning then like that's amazing and there that's awesome for kiki but like if kiki's going to be winning like let's go back to kind of og challenge stuff anyways where we can get more from her from the entertainment side of things in the show half of things versus the sport half you know like i don't i'm not as interested in seeing kiki run a final as like if the finals are going to be what the finals are i'm interested in seeing the olympian do it and being like how does this how does an olympic swimmer stack up in a challenge final that's i guess interesting from the sport side of things but like so i was rooting for emily i was also rooting a little bit for marley he came on late seems like a lot of fun He's very solid at competing. I feel like he's one of my top picks for a jump over to the American MTV version of things. Come on over, Marley. States are nice. Kiki, Connor, I mean, a lot of this cast, I would actually really like to see jump on over, mix it up with the flagship MTV crew. I think they would do a really good job. So I was feeling that way about Marley. I wanted Emily to win to kind of, if this is going to be such a sport-heavy thing, competition-heavy thing, I wanted the Olympian to win to back that up. Same as, you know, I wanted Tyson to win uh, which was it still worked out. We have NFL athlete win, you know, USA. So shout out Danny, love Danny. Um, but yeah, I wanted Emily to win. I wanted Marley to stay as much as it would have hurt the show to have Connor and Kiki lose as much as it's amazing and kind of capping off this incredible run by those two in that Alliance in general, I was still there rooting for Emily and Marley. Let's talk the other elimination quickly in a role. Uh, two person was more interesting of this than when Cache versus Sarah on challenge USA. It's still a little too simple for me. Just who can run faster for what I think they showed the clock one time was three minutes for a round, whatever. Uh, it's a little, little too simple. It's not all that entertaining to see them. It's kind of cool and also not entertaining at the same time. Like it was cool to see how fast Kieran can run. That definitely was information I did not have before that I'm glad I have now, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's not all that exciting. Grant Megan's strategy of, you know, of her lifting herself up and just letting Grant run. I think a lot of people would laugh at that, but I'm not going to knock it because I kind of agree with their thinking going in. I could see myself thinking similar of like, Hey, once this gets moving, if one of us can run faster than the other, then the person who can't run quite as fast might like trip up or like slow it down. So if, if like, if I can move it at the same speed that we could together, like why not have one person go or possibly even then like switch on and off as you get tired. Um, I don't think it's like the craziest strategy in the world to give it a try. It ultimately doesn't work. It fails, but 
I don't think it was that wild to try. I just think Kieran was way faster than the other three people he was running against. And Brittany somehow, some way with a limping leg was able to keep up with him or not slow his thing down and also like not fall, which I don't know how she never falls. If her leg is legit hurt and they're running as fast as they're running, not falling for that long of time is very impressive, but you know, she's got the little bar. She can kind of do the lean thing as needed. Very impressive. She gets through it. Kieran just, absolutely smokes it uh kieran and Brittany both absolutely smoke it they're going fast like super freaking fast that thing it that wheel is flying around the thing and grant megan leaving you know megan isn't really much of a loss she seems lovely wonderful i think she could be good on another season but she was kind of just by default in this there was a lot of other stuff going on she was kind of just background until this episode with the little hookup and storyline but we weren't going to get really any more out of that given that we're going into a final. So we got kind of what we had out of that. And you know, it was a, it was an, it's an okay loss for, for the show. Grant leaving is a little bit of a bummer because I just wanted this Alliance to as fun as it is, as cool as it is, as interesting as it is that this batchy Alliance dominated in such a way. I was hoping there would at least be one little gasp of triumph or last ditch effort from the other side. And I thought Grant maybe could win one of these and provide that. Um, and then if he made a final, maybe like do well, at least get second to Troy in the final, but uh, not to be had. He was definitely just, he was out of it. He didn't have no desire to be there anymore, which would make perfect sense. Him and his whole alliance have been having a miserable time for a couple weeks of real time in the house. And when you're the last one left and you're in a room by yourself and you have no friends and you have to go to the bar and like be told to fake dance for a couple minutes and you're like, I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna drink your weak ass beer or whatever you're willing to give me. Yeah, I get why he was maybe not locked in there at the end and ultimately uh, it's fine. Them, them going home in this situation is fine. Let's hand out some awards. Best quote is up first. We've only got three nominees. I've got to say, while I really enjoy listening to everyone talk because us dumb Americans love a good Australian accent, but uh, the, the they've been very entertaining, incredibly entertaining. Love this cast. Really enjoy this season. The quotes have been a little light, which actually may be kind of a sign of a good-ish season when there's like actual entertaining stuff going on and they don't have to rely as heavily on like the witty quips and whatnot in the confessional booth to carry an episode. So that may actually be an interesting correlation to look into at a later date. But for now, there are three nominees for quote of the week. That would be Megan quote. I've never seen him smile. If we talk about resting bitch face, he's got it in spades End quote about her new partner grant at the end of episode seven, going in to episode eight, second nominee, then Brittany who quote, I haven't done a puzzle since I was 10 years old. The biggest puzzle I've had to work out is how to keep and get a boyfriend, get and keep, keep and get one way or the other. I might've flipped that around on accident. Either way, you get the quote. She struggles with the guys. She doesn't do puzzles, although she does fairly well on this puzzle here. And guess what, Brittany? Uh, if you get into that final, you're going to have to do a lot of puzzles. So get ready. Third and final one goes to Grant. Quote, I don't care who I go up against in the arena. All my mates are gone. You know, for me, it's stale as cat's piss. God, just get me out of here. And that was the moment where I knew Grant was about to lose and Megan was going to have to lose right along with him because he did not want to be there anymore for the quote of the week. We're going to go ahead and give that one to Brittany. On to the best moment from these two episodes. Three nominees here. Uh, well, although 
couple of the both daily challenges deserve shout outs. Like I had a lot of fun watching them, which is a really big boost for an episode when I actually really enjoy watching the daily challenges because they're such a big chunk, but they don't get nominated here. What first nominee we haven't mentioned this before, but the backyard slip and slide, I've got to own up to something. I didn't understand. Uh, I understood. I just wasn't thinking about, it. I understand how the hemispheres work and the seasons work on different parts of the world and different sides of the world. But I've been mentioning early in the season that like, ah, this is like a bummer for them. Like they're, you know, filming later than the other ones did. And so they're, you know, moving towards cold weather when in fact it's going in the reverse. They're in the Southern Hemisphere in Argentina and they're moving towards their summer. And so it's getting warmer and warmer during this season that we're watching here. And that is a good thing because we get things like backyard slip and slide. So my bad on not understanding hemispheres very well. Gonna get that corrected for future seasons of the show, depending on where they're filming and when. But love that we're getting warmer weather. Love that they're breaking out a slip and slide in the backyard. We get the little GoPro cam, Kieran carrying it. A couple of the women carry it down the slip and slide into the pool. Lots of good stuff. Really enjoyed that little montage and moment. Second nominee, we mentioned it before, but Kiki and Brittany walking in on Megan and Conrad, asking them if they're done, like straight up just walking in and being like, yo, are you guys done? Because we're trying to go to bed now, which is just amazing and great. And the difficulties of the bunk rooms, you know, there is that one other room where you've eliminated almost every single person. You could maybe go sleep in there if you needed to. Anyways, third and final nominee, the montage of Troy talking to every single person about his decision and no one giving a com any shits, even the ones possibly going into elimination. That plus Troy and Brooks moment where they do the three, two, one, say a name and it's the opposite. Just that whole couple minute montage of them trying to make that decision. Really, really good stuff. But Kiki and Brittany win this award for walking in, asking if they're done, trying to get some shut eye. You know, you need your beauty sleep in a challenge house, no matter even if your friends are having sex. You got to get them speeded along. We need to get in there. We need to get some rest. As for the episode MVP or the dual episode MVP, Connor comes in fifth, still running this. He's the MVP of the Bachelor Alliance, even though he's the non-Bachelor member of the Bachelor Alliance. He has to be nominated here for this dual episode MVP. Grant as well, obviously just central to these two episodes uh you know he's not gonna not find his way into the top five here just based on confessional count and the fact that he's you know in these eliminations and everything else kieran in third big episode for him gets a win two different wins daily and an elimination has the big apology to her with his girlfriend has the slip and slide cameras moments he's he's really doing a lot he becomes you know lurking now as a possible victor of the whole season then we got Brittany in second also bringing it these episodes a lot of great stuff from her a lot of good confessionals very prevalent in both episodes doing all types of good things but the mvp of these two episode run it's got to be kiki Kiki has risen to the challenge. Kiki comes into the game following the iconic turn by Kiki McRae, not even on her season, still being a major character on her season. A lot to live up to being an actual a Kiki that's actually on a show, and she's lived up to it, and then some. She's been amazing. She's kicking ass in these couple of episodes. We thought, we predicted going in that the injuries were going to catch up to her, that she was going to bow out gracefully, but nah. She got herself put back together or maybe was being a little overly dramatic originally, which is also fine. That's great. Fun. Good times. Entertainer knows what she's doing. Tip of the cap for that. But puts herself back together, gets an elimination victory, and is just super prevalent the whole time through and having a great time. And yeah, uh, I love she's the one, I believe, that asked Grant to come dance at the bar, which was 
incredible <laughs> that she even asks. So Kiki takes home the MVP, uh, just a dominant couple perfor episode performance for her. And finally, we've got to talk power rankings and predictions. And these go real hand in hand because we're down to eight people and we're down to two episodes. We see from the trailer for the finale, two episode, double episode, whatever they want to call it, nine and 10. I don't know, whatever, two hours of content left. We see that there is an elimination, which means we assume there is a daily challenge. Um, and so these eight are going to be cut down to six for the final before we, I'm not even going to say the power rankings first, let's talk the predictions because they lead to then where the power rankings stand. They basically are a prediction of where I think these four on each side will end up the season long predictions. I did shit real, 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 real bad for your boy over here. I lost, I'm down to three out of my 10 predictions. We lost in this episode, Grant and Emily and Megan. We're down to just Troy on the guy side and just Brooke J and Kiki on the women's side that I th thought would make the final. So the best I can do is three out of 10. I can get no winners right because I thought Ryan and Emily would go wire to wire. I also was horrible at my predictions from last two episodes to this two. I thought Connor and Kiki were done for. Couldn't have been further from the truth. I thought Marley and Emily would get the win. Couldn't, uh, not, was not that far off. I think they got second. Kieran's girlfriend does not accept his apology. She accepts more or less his apology. I would call that an acceptance. So 0 for 3 there. So not doing good. But moving into the final two episodes, the finale of the season, we do see in the trailer that it looks a lot like pole wrestle. So um, we're going to get a pole wrestle. And I'm going to go with prediction number one. I'm going to say that Connor and Brooke B are the losers of the pole wrestle and it's going to be painful because I want, I want Connor to make the final really bad. Now that now he got through the one elimination where I was rooting against him because I wanted Emily and Marley to stay. Once he was through that, I want him in the final. I want him competing in the final. Um, but I think given the four that are left, unless he wins another daily challenge, very, very likely he's won two already. Um, I think he's probably going to get picked to go in based on the rest of the house. And I think pole wrestle doesn't suit him as well versus these other three that are left. So I think he and Brookby lose pole wrestle. That's prediction number one. Prediction number two and three are the predictions for the winners. I believe Brooke J and Troy are going to win. Brooke J on the female side, Troy on the men's side. I don't know if this is going to happen together in any capacity or purely as individuals, but I believe those two will be your winners for your power rankings heading into the final. I think on the female side, Brooke J has to be number one, Brittany two, Brooke B three, Kiki number four. On the male side, I'm putting Troy, Kieran, Connor, Conrad. I, I think Conrad's, or excuse me, Connor's got the clear puzzle advantage going into the final. Kieran just showed how fast he is and that he does that run a couple different three to four minute runs. So like, it's not super endurance, but like, it's enough. Like he's sprinting for three to four minutes, two times in a row. So that's something. So I'm, I'm torn, but I think Troy's the odds on favorite. And I think Conrad's kind of the fourth, the odd person out here of, I don't really see a path to victory for him. I could see Connor crushing all the puzzles and having plenty of endurance and just getting through it. I could see Kieran being super freaking fast and like randomly gets a puzzle right real quick. And suddenly he's in the lead and like, Oh my God, he's going to win. And I can see Troy just absolutely dominating and being good at everything and being, you know, first or second place in every single segment of the final. So that's how I can see that shaking out. Brooke J I just think is we've seen enough now to know I put her as a slight favor, but it's a little up in the air for me on the female side. I don't, 
I don't definitively know that any of these four women are going to like absolutely crush the endurance or absolutely suck at the endurance. I we've seen from all of them, at least some sort of puzzle ability. We've seen them all work well with partners. So if they are partnered up throughout this and they're all friends with both sides, they're going to work well with each other. Who knows? So Brooke J and Troy though, at the top, those are my picks to win. That's how I see it lining up going into the finale. We shall see how it all concludes or possibly, yeah, I mean, well, not, I hope you haven't watched the finale if you're listening to this, but maybe you have, who knows if you have, they're out there in the world. If you're out there in Australia, they're airing or available right now. Hopefully for us here in the States, the links will be made available soon. As always, links are out there. Uh, just Reddit, Twitter, Instagram, search for it. Uh, happy go lucky. Uh, L-O-C-K-Y, Happy Go Locky on Twitter has been doing a great job sharing a bunch of the links and I believe has a nice Twitter thread you can find that has all of the links in one single spot, episodes one through 10. So go find it, go watch it, and let's see if my guy Troy can bring it home or if Connor can cap an absolutely epic season, if Kiki can pull yet one more upset and bring home a challenge championship we shall see, and we'll be back to talk about it on this Friday. So that finale will be a Friday for now. Hit that follow, subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Hit me up on Instagram at Challenge Historian if you want to talk this season, Ride or Dies, All-Stars 4 announcements that are slowly leaking out, which are pissing everyone off, myself very much included. If you want to talk about that at all, hit me up on Instagram at Challenge Historian. We'll be back Wednesday with Ride or Dies. Until then, peace.